I want to welcome us uh, back into this series that we kicked off last Sunday here at Walk Church titled, Believe the Hype. Believe the Hype. We talked last week about believing the hype about the, the, the resurrection of Jesus and how Jesus not only lived the perfect sinless life, he died the sinner's death, my death, your death, and he rose from the grave. And there's a lot of hype around the resurrection, but we can believe that hype. The word believe means to accept something uh, with conviction as truth. The word believe means to see something, hear something, and then to make a decision that that thing is true. That's what it means to believe. The word hype, the, the word hype means that that something has a buzz around it, a momentum. Uh, it's cool, it's exciting, and it has people talking about it. It's publicly promoted, it's getting some fame. So when we talk about believe the hype, we're saying that there's something that's out there that we're saying, you know what, I'm, I'm convinced that that thing is true. So last week we talked about believe the hype about the resurrection, but I want us to go further now. So Jesus rose from the grave, and then what happened? Right? And then what happened? Well, the Bible teaches us in the book of Acts, which is, let's just say that that word is short for action, the book of, of the church in action, right? The Bible teaches us that Jesus rose and then he spent 40 days with his disciples speaking to them about the kingdom of God. I want you to go ahead and see the, the, the scriptures with me this morning in the book of Acts chapter one, starting at verses three through eight. If you're ready, say ready. If you're hungry for the word of God this morning, say, let's eat. Let's eat. Acts chapter 1, verse 3 through 8. The scripture says that Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. Believe the hype. By many proofs, Jesus presented himself. He's there, he's alive, and he's in a full effect. Appearing to them during 40 days, speaking about the kingdom of God, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Verse 7 says that Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. You know, really quick before we jump into verse 8, can I just say something about verse 7? Just for a second, it said that Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. What's he saying there? Well, maybe you've come across some different people that have tried to deceive minds by saying, this is the date, and this is the time, and this is the year, and this is the place where Jesus is going to come back, and the world is going to end, and things like that. Can I just say something? Don't believe it. Don't give any attention to that nonsense. And here's why I go as far as to call it nonsense, because Jesus told us to not do it. He says, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed our job is to trust him, amen? Trust his timing and prepare for his timing and get ready and don't sleep on Jesus, but be ready and be walking in him, with him, for him, right through him, 
But don't give the energy and attention. I, I, I've met some people along the journey. There, even just a couple years back, people were thinking, 2015 is the year. We promise you. All the stars are adding up, and we're counting numbers in the Bible, and the, the moon looks like there's a little hint of red on it. This is the year. And you don't need any of that info. You just need this verse where Jesus says, you're wasting your time. Right? It's not for you to know. It's for God to know. It's for us to trust. So let's go ahead and keep going. Verse 8, all right? Y'all still with me? If, if you're with me, Sam, I'm with you. Okay. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Father, I ask you right now for a move of your spirit. Lord, I ask you to teach us your word this morning, that we would leave here changed, that we wouldn't just talk about the hype about the Holy Spirit, but we would believe it convictionally. So Holy Spirit, speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to preach a message to you this morning that I'm titling, Believe the Hype About the Holy Spirit. Believe the Hype About the Holy Spirit. Jesus collects his disciples. After he rose from the grave, he gathers them all together, and here's the message that he gives them, right? He tells them, hey, you can believe the hype about the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm sending you my spirit, and he is going to empower you. Look at verse 8 with me on the screen, right? The text says that Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, as I studied this one phrase, this first half of Acts chapter 1, verse 8, I was drawn to the word power. Because he doesn't just say you'll receive the Holy Spirit. He says you'll receive power from the Holy Spirit. And so that made me dig deep and say, let me go ahead and look and do a dive study on this word power. The word power is actually the Greek word dunamis. Everybody say dunamis. Come on, say dunamis. Dunamis. The word dunamis defined means strength and ability. That Jesus essentially is saying that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to receive strength and ability that you didn't have before you had the Holy Spirit. He's saying you will receive dunamis. Dunamis is actually the root word of our English words dynamite, dynamo, and dynamic, right? Have you ever heard of somebody to, to, to describe something as dynamic? Man, that message was dynamic, or that concert was dynamic, or that, that restaurant was dynamic. What they're saying is, man, that thing had power on it, right? Or dynamite, explosive power, right? That's the word Jesus uses to describe what happens when a person like me and you receive the Holy Spirit of God. There's a lot of hype about that. But I want to encourage you that you can believe it here today. You can believe the hype about the Holy Spirit. So let me go ahead and use these, these words, strength and ability, to describe what we're talking about. That you can believe the hype about the Holy Spirit by experiencing his strength. The first thing that Jesus does when he sends us his spirit is that he strengthens his church. He strengthens us. Now, maybe you would ask this question, maybe, how does he do it? How does the Lord strengthen us by his spirit? 
I began to do a study on the Holy Spirit throughout the New Testament, and he's not just found in the New Testament. He's all over the Bible. Right? If you really want to find the first place of the Holy Spirit, you'll find him in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning of creation, what was hovering over the earth? Or what was hovering just over the, just, just the atmosphere? The earth wasn't even created yet. The Spirit of God was there. The Spirit of God is in the beginning, from the beginning. He's not an it. He's a person. He's the Holy Spirit. Just because we refer to him as the third God, it doesn't mean he should be the forgotten God or that he's the least God. But he is just as much God as God the Father and God the Son. He's actually God the Spirit. And I want us to spend some time focusing in on the hype about the Holy Spirit. And and I pray we leave here saying, yeah, that's what I need. I need his type of strength. In John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus begins to instruct the disciples. And let's just go ahead and put ourselves in their shoes this morning about the Holy Spirit. Here's what he says. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. I love this verse right here. I hadn't spent a ton of time on this verse until this message, but I'm starting to to really fall in love with John chapter 14, verse 16. The first thing that caught my attention is that Jesus says, I'll ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Isn't God generous? Can we just take a second and focus on the generosity of God? Because when I think about God, I think about a giving God. The first place we see him give is by giving his son, amen? Right, like, he gave us life. We sinned and we blew it. We've all fallen short of his standard of glory. And what God does is he doesn't give us what we deserve, which is death and hell and uh, uh, eternity apart from him. What he does is he gives us his son. God is a giving God. He gives us his son. Now, watch this. God the Father gives us Jesus. Now, Jesus here continues the giving by giving us his spirit. That we have been given a gift, and I love how he's categorized here. He is categorized as another helper. Does your Bible say capital H on the helper? Why is that H capitalized? Because it's talking about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit helps us. Now, I I believe as a scholar of the word, I've been spending a lot of time in the Bible for many years now, and I believe that the English language oftentimes falls short of what the the original authors of the Bible meant for us to grasp, right? You guys know the Bible wasn't written in English, right? right? It was written originally in Hebrew. It was written in brief parts in Aramaic, and it was written in the original Greek. And so we need to go back to those original languages to make sure that we have the most robust interpretation. And we believe that our English Bibles are are thorough and strong and good, but sometimes our English language just doesn't have the word. So I like to go back to the original. So for example, power and dunamis. Well, here I looked at this word helper and the Greek word here is parakletos. Parakletos. I said, okay, well, what does parakletos mean? I found three definitions on what this word could mean, A, B, and C. A, parakletos, means called to be by one side. So this helper is with us. B, parakletos, means to plead another's cause before the judge. C, parakletos, means to be a legal assistant. Have you ever looked at the Holy Spirit like that? 
Have you ever thought, man, I need the Holy Spirit to help me? You know why? Because I need him by my side. I need him pleading my cause before the judge. And I really need him to be my legal assistant. That's the Holy Spirit of God. That, that's, the, that's the helper. Amen? So that, that led me to say, okay, I didn't get all that when I first read helper. Let me go ahead and see what some of the other Bible translations define parakletos as. And so I, I looked at the three most popular, starting with the NLT, the New Living Translation, says it like this. I will ask the Father. He will give you another advocate, capital A. I was like, wow, the Holy Spirit's not just the Holy Spirit. He's the Holy Spirit, and he's my advocate. What does advocate mean? Cheering you on, amen? Championing you. Pushing you to go further, advocating for you on your behalf. He's, the Holy Spirit's saying, yeah, I'll advocate for you, Jake. I'll, I'll, I'll advocate for you. Caleb, I'll advocate for you, Vanessa. Praise God for that, amen? Not only that, but the King James Version, if we go back to the 1600s, translated the word this way. I will pray to the Father. He shall give you another comforter, a capital C. That this translation of Parakletos... James translated as comforter, that he may abide with you forever. The Christian Standard Bible, which is a new popular translation, a thorough English translation of the original text, says, I will ask the Father, he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. We're wrestling, trying to find the right words to describe who this Holy Spirit is. Amen? But here's what I know today. Regardless of what Bible translation you read, or I read, I want all of them. I want to cash in on the capital H helper, on the capital A advocate, on the capital C comforter, on the capital C counselor. Every day, I need the dunamis power to comfort me, counsel me, help me, and advocate for me before the Father. Every day, I need to tap in to all of that, amen? And I want you to believe the hype about the Holy Spirit and repent from ignoring the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit may just be wanting to help you. And he will. That's who he is. I tend to study most often through the ESV, the English Standard Version of the Bible, which is the original scripture that we read, which says, I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper. Now, how, how long... Can we count on the helper to be with us? Come on now. You got the cheat sheet on the screen. How long will this helper, counselor, guider, comforter, convict, how long is he going to stick around? Look at the person next to you and say, forever. Make sure they know if you're watching this online, the Holy Spirit is in it for the long haul. The Holy Spirit is committed to helping comforting, counseling, and advocating for you and me. What a gift from God. No wonder he says, I'll send you another helper. That's how he strengthens us. I love the fact that this verse doesn't read how my heart often interprets. I feel like sometimes, and maybe, maybe I'm just a little less spiritual, but sometimes here's how my heart reads this verse. I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper to be with you until you sin again. Or he'll be with you as long as you do enough good stuff. Or he'll be with you 
as long as you make sure you have perfect church attendance. Or he'll be with you as long as you read five chapters in the Bible. Every day. No, no, no. That's not what we read. He's committed to being with you forever. If you would receive him today and you would call upon the name of Jesus, he says, I will send you my Holy Spirit and I'll help you forever. I love the promise of God that he is with us. But, but that's not just the only good news, Joe. Right? Let's continue to go into this chapter, John chapter 14. Let's look at some of the different highlight moments. I wish that we could just read them all. But I just I figured I would give you some snapshots. The more I think about it, this, this could potentially be a, a two-part message. There's so much about the Holy Spirit I love for us to unpack. But if you ever just need some extra homework, go ahead and just read John chapter 14, 15, and 16. Just spend time in three chapters and dig deep into the richness of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. See, we already learned about how the Holy Spirit's given from the Father. We learned about how the Holy Spirit's the parakletos. He helps us. We learned about how he's with us, not just for a short time, but for a long time, forever. But did you know that he's the spirit of truth? John 14, verse 17, the very next verse says, I will send you my spirit, and he is the spirit of capital T, truth. Isn't that a good, good word? That, that, that the Holy Spirit will never lie to us. Anybody ever been lied to before? Do you hate it? I do. I'm so grateful that the Holy Spirit says, I'm committed to you, and I'll, I'll never lie to you. But he'll always share the truth. Now, some of y'all are like, man, I want him to lie to me, <laughs> right? But you don't, because he's committed to help you and to tell you the truth. Not only that, he teaches us in John chapter 14, verse 26. The Holy Spirit shows up in our lives and begins to coach us and teach us and work with us and work on us and walk with us. He starts teaching us about him. He brings things to remembrance, John 14, verse 26. I love how he brings things to remembrance. Maybe you've had a moment like that where you're just talking to God or maybe you're just going throughout life and all of a sudden the Spirit of God brings something to your mind, brings a person to mind. There's been many a times in our charge groups. Our charge groups are small groups, gatherings that happen throughout the week in homes or our office. And it's in those times that we'll just take time and we'll say, let's just go ahead and pray and listen. And maybe the Holy Spirit would teach us something. Maybe the Holy Spirit would remind us of something. There's been many times where he's reminded us of a person in those times, or the Holy Spirit will place somebody on your heart. There's been times maybe where you've woken up and this person's on your mind. Maybe the Holy Spirit's reminding you of that, or a verse is on your heart, or a song is on your heart. The Spirit reminds us, doesn't he? How do you think we got this book, the Gospel of John? Just some Bible history. The four Gospels, the four biography accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, John was the last one written. Many scholars believe that John wrote his gospel 60 to maybe even 90 years after Jesus had already died, rose, and ascended to heaven. So how did John get so much detail about what Jesus said and what Jesus did in his 21-chapter book 60 years later? My only conclusion is that John was filled with the power, the dunamis understanding of the Holy Spirit, and he wrote what he remembered. That it was in those times that the Holy Spirit began to say, John, remember when Jesus said this? If you read John's gospel, it's so, in a lot of ways, it's different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The detailed account 
is so, uh, so, so specific and mechanical and detailed. It's beautiful, John's writings. And I can only believe that it's because he had the Spirit of God reminding him of what Jesus said. Let me go to the next slide. Not only did he do this in John 14, but make your way into John 16. He gives us the advantage. I thought I was going to get a whole bunch of amens there. Dang it. Let me try it again. He gives us the advantage. Yeah. I need it. This world is too hard. This life is too difficult. Pain is too deep. Sorrow is too close for me to walk through this thing without the advantage. If there's an advantage in life, can I get in on it, please? I want it. I need it. Jesus says this in John 16 in the context of when he tells his disciples, one day I'm going I'm to die on a cross. I'm going to rise from that grave, and then I'm going to go home to my throne in heaven. Now, what happened there is Peter got all scared. And Peter says, Jesus, what are you talking about? First off, you ain't going to die, and if you are, I'm going to be there with you, which he wasn't, right? Peter denied Jesus and all that. Watch out for all the fake hype and emotion. So, so Jesus looks at Peter and says, listen, I have to do this in order for you to be saved, in order for the people that walk church to be saved, in order for the other people that we're going to invite to be saved. I have to go to the cross and rise from the grave. But listen, Peter, take heart because I'm not just going away. I'm going to send you the advantage. The Holy Spirit gives us the advantage to walk through this life with his dunamis power. How cool is it to be able to walk through the one who has all the answers to the test? Or like, wouldn't it be neat to be able to like go into the test? Maybe you're, at, maybe you're a student in school and the teacher gives you all the test and it's like this huge test with all these deep questions and he says, all right, go. And then the teacher says, let me pull up a chair. I'm just going to teach you and bring everything to remembrance right now. Give you all the answers. Jesus says he gives us the advantage the Holy Spirit does. Not only that, but he convicts, John 16, verse 8. The Holy Spirit convicts the world concerning sin. The Holy Spirit convicts the church concerning righteousness and our walk with him. And so sometimes you may feel that conviction hits your heart. And what I want to encourage you is when you feel that conviction, to embrace it as the Holy Spirit helping you. I don't know about you, but whenever I run into sin, or when I, whenever I give in to sin, it always overpromises and underdelivers. Does anybody else have that experience? When you fall into sin, do you ever feel just disgusted? Do you ever just feel dirty? Do you ever just feel bothered? Or do you ever feel the Holy Spirit knocking on your heart saying, hey, I'm with you. I'm a Holy Spirit. I'm with you. That conviction, or have you ever been somewhere and the Holy Spirit just starts to sound off an alarm in your heart and saying, time to go, time to go. Have you ever been ready to click play on something and the Holy Spirit all of a sudden just pops up a Spotify playlist of good music, right? You're like, where'd that come from, right? Or maybe you've been tempted to do something and the Holy Spirit begins to convict us that's one of his ways of giving us the advantage. I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit's conviction. And if you don't sense that conviction, maybe it's because you've taken a big bucket of water and dumped it on his flame. He's still there. He's just waiting for you to stop cutting out his flame, to let him burn and be alive in you. 
He convicts us. He gives us the advantage. He guides us in the truth. That everything Jesus guides us in will always be truth, and the truth will set you free. He, he glorifies Christ. So if you ever start to sense, you know what, I'm going to be boastful about myself, the Holy Spirit's absent. The Holy Spirit will always glorify his self, his son. The Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus. Maybe you've met somebody that just has praise God on the tip of their lips often, right? You're, you're talking to that person, and they just go quickly to, man, praise the Lord. That might come off as a little weird, but, but sometimes it's just the Holy Spirit in us that just wants to respond. It's all about him. I've had different people mention this to me and say, Hayden, what's different about you? What happened to you? We knew you in high school and middle school and different parts of your life. You're different, bro. I'm always so quick to say, man, praise the Lord. Here's what happened to me. I found the advantage. His name's Jesus. He actually died for all of our sin. He then rose from the grave. You can believe it. There's facts about that. It's history. But not only that, I didn't just believe it and leave it. He sent me his Holy Spirit that now comforts me, counsels me, helps me, empowers and strengthens me. He teaches me. He directs me. He guides me. He glorifies his son. He declares the father's words. He's my advocate. You're not looking at just some regular. I got all those things when I got the spirit of God. Amen. That's what we need. We don't need another move of entertainment. We got plenty of that in this city. We need a move of the Spirit of God. He's got the advantage. The last thing we see here is that he declares the Father's words in John 16, verse 15. When Jesus was speaking, and he's still speaking today, he's declaring the Father's words through the Holy Spirit. John chapter 6, verse 63, Jesus is having this exchange with the religious elite, the people who thought they had the Bible memorized. Like they, 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 they lived in the word, but they missed the heart of the Father. So they knew the word of God. They didn't know the God of the word. Does that make sense? You could be so informationally packed in your head that relationally with God, you're dry. That the word of God is, is to there to increase your relationship with him and to fill you with his spirit. Here's what Jesus says. It's the spirit who gives life. What happened to you, Hayden? I found life. Or maybe life found me. The flesh is no help at all. Would y'all just repeat that after me? Can you guys just ready? One, two, three. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. One more time. It's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. I, I really would challenge you to maybe increase your time in this book this year. That 2019 would be a year that you don't just know God's word casually, but intimately, deeply. Go ahead and just begin shredding through these pages and get your, get your highlighters out, your pens out, and begin marking these things up. I'm looking at some of my notes from over the years, how God has spoken to me through his word. And his word becomes a part of you, and his word becomes spirit in you, and then brings things to remembrance to you. You begin filled up with this word. He, he strengthens us, y'all. Let me give you one more verse on how he strengthens us. It's one of my favorite promises from the Bible. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 1, 
verse 7. Let's read this together. Come on, interact with me here, church. Ready? One, two, three. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. I want to I talk to somebody in the room today who really struggles with fear. And I want to remind you that one of the ways the Holy Spirit strengthens us is through eliminating fear in our lives. I want you to hear this as a prophetic word, and maybe this is you watching online. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is a, really, is a very real emotion that we come across on a daily basis. I do as well. Oftentimes throughout the week, something will spark in my heart that will cause me to have a spirit of fear. But this is what I've been doing lately. Can I give you all a tip? Here's what I'll do. I'll start to have a conversation with my heart. I won't do it out loud if I'm in public because that can look a little weird. All right? But I'll have this conversation with my heart. The book of Proverbs says that we should direct our hearts in the way. Don't allow your heart to lead you. That's bad wisdom. You lead your heart with the word, with the spirit. Here's what I'll say. I'll say, heart, God has not given us a spirit of fear. I'll say, heart, listen to me, heart. Listen up, heart. Heart, focus up, heart. God has not given us a spirit of fear. And guess what? My heart listens to me because the, the, the heart listens to the word. The heart hasn't, we haven't been given a spirit of fear or timidity, but of dunamis, love, agape, and self-discipline. Sometimes we go through life and we have these encounters where we struggle with the flesh and we struggle with sin. And you know what we start, to, we start to do? I've had many conversations with people like this, people that love Jesus. They say, Hayden, I just can't get over the hump. I just can't defeat this addiction. I just can't stop watching that. I can't, I can't stop going to her house. I can't make it right with this person. I just can't do it. I just can't. And you know what I always say? You're so right. You can't. That's why you need the helper. Because when you have the spirit of God in you, you can have self-discipline. You can have power. You can have love for somebody that inwardly you don't love. You, you say, man, I really struggle with this person. But you can have that type of love because you direct your heart with the word and the Holy Spirit loves that person. So you got to love that person and you can. And you may struggle with a certain temptation of sin. And maybe it's been knocking you down this morning. Let me go tell you, get up because you can because of the spirit of God in you. The revivalist A.W. Tozer once said it like this. He was a man who walked by the spirit. He said, when we have the Holy Spirit, we have all that is needed to be all that God desires us to be. What does God desire from you? All of you. And how can you give them all of you? Because the Holy Spirit will help you. And he'll be with you through each phase of life. Let me give you the second point, and then we're going to finish this sermon up pretty quick here. The first point, believe the hype about the Holy Spirit because he strengthens us. The second is believe the hype about the Holy Spirit because he enables us. The word enable means to give somebody the ability and authority to complete a task. The Holy Spirit enables us to be his children. Henry Blackaby writes in his Experiencing God book, he says, will God ever ask you to do something you are not able to do? The answer is yes, all the time. 
It must be that way for God's glory and kingdom. If we function according to our ability alone, we get the glory. If we function according to the power of the Holy Spirit within us, God gets the glory. He wants to reveal himself to a watching world. Have you ever thought about your life that way? Where you work, the neighborhood you live in, your kids at home, your spouse, the people that you interact with on a daily basis. Have you ever thought that God wants to reveal himself to them through you? He does. And it'll only happen if you walk by the Holy Spirit who desires to live in and through you. Leonard Ravenhill writes it like this. He says, the world outside is not waiting for a new definition of Christianity. It's waiting for a new demonstration of Christianity. Is that right? Is that true? The world doesn't need more definitions of, of religion. Doesn't need no more fill in the blanks. Here's what the world's waiting for, for a demonstration of power. We have that power. Look at the person next to you and say, you have that power. You, you do if you know Jesus, if you put your faith in him. You can have that. It's very real. It's found through the Holy Spirit. C.H. Spurgeon walked by the Spirit. The Prince of Preachers said, without the Spirit of God, we can do no thing. We are as ships without wind. We are useless. We need the Spirit. Amen. We need the Spirit of God. Last verse before we close uh, is simply Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Ephesians 5 is one of my favorite books. Ephesians, uh, the book in itself, we're studying through the book of Ephesians slowly but surely. We'll probably get to this verse in about a year. But here's what this verse says. It says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Saying, look, if you want a very temporary fix, and maybe to get your minds off the things of this world, maybe being filled with wine could help you for a moment, but it'll probably make you feel worse after. The Holy Spirit doesn't work like that. He says, let me give you the opposite. Let me give you the better wine. Let me give you the true satisfaction, the living water. That is the Holy Spirit of God. Be filled with the Spirit. What does it look like to be filled with the Spirit, Walk Church? I think that God wants us to get to a place, you and I together, where we're so filled with the Spirit that nothing else compares to what he has for us. Like my wife and I, we recently got blessed with a, a gift card to go on a date night. And so we were so grateful for that opportunity. Um, we, we, we decided to go to this restaurant and we said, listen, we got this gift card. We were blessed by friends. You know, let's go ahead and use this opportunity together. And so the waiter came and said, hey, do you guys want some bread? We were like, oh, bring the bread, bring the crackers, bring all that, right? Like, you want the side salad? Oh yeah, we want the side salad too. All right, you want the, 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 the main entree? Yep, bring that too. Let's go, let's grab a steak. Let's go ahead and do it up tonight. This is an opportunity for us to be blessed. And I can just remember my wife and I just eating and having a good time to the point where, you know what? I was trying to eat that final bite, but I had nothing left. And our waitress came alongside and just said, excuse me, sir, could, could I interest you in a dessert? And I thought about it and I said, no. And y'all know I'm a dessert guy. I was like, I got no room for it. I'm so full. 
Y'all know what I'm saying right now? What if, church, we could get to a place where we're so full of the Holy Spirit of God that the enemy tries to launch his arrows at your heart and your heart is so full with the Spirit they can't even get in. Where the, where the world says, you know what, take a little bit more of this. Can I interest you in this dessert? And you say, no, I'm not even interested anymore. Why? Because I'm so full of God. I'm so full of the Spirit that, that, that the Lord has done something so tangible in my life that I'm not interested in anything else. Depression, you gotta leave. Fear, you gotta go. I'm not interested. Stress, you got no more room in my heart because I'm full of the Spirit. He helps me. He guides me. He leads me. He comforts me. He corrects me. He's with me. And you can have him too. would encourage you to believe the hype about the Holy Spirit. I'm stepping down because if I stay up here, I'll keep preaching. And I just need to step down, right? I'm just going to step off the stage for a second. Hopefully, y'all can see me. If you are here today and you say, man, the things that Pastor Hyden is talking about, I just don't have. I need to experience that type of spirit, but I just don't have him in me. I want to give you a word that you could have with confidence. It's found in Luke chapter 11. Jesus says it like this. He says, if you would just ask, you'll receive and the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it'll be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? That's a bad trade, right? If you then who are evil, Jesus just calls us out. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit? to those who ask him. I want to give you an opportunity to just ask him today, to ask him to be your everything, to give your life to Jesus and say, it's no longer I, but it's Christ who lives in me through his Holy Spirit. Let's pray.